Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, and I'm so glad and happy that you're listening to this episode today and to this podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and my guests. I really, really am grateful for that. This episode, I have a gentleman by the name of Nate Barger, and boy, we had a blast in this episode. You'll hear at the very end, maybe you'll hear him showing me um, his garage and, and his Ferraris and stuff like that. That's because we were on video. But this was an amazing, amazing interview. I innovated, interviewed Nate Barger. And Nate is an ex-convict, um, ex-felon, two-time ex-convict and ex-felon um, turned real estate investor. And ladies and gentlemen, his story is amazing. Today he owns uh, uh, Hilton's and... Marriott, he owns a bunch of hotels, and he's a big-time investor out of Ohio, and he shares his story, guys. And the reason I love this story, and I love this interview, and I'm excited for you to listen to this interview, is because Nate comes from nothing. And if Nate can do it, as he says, then you can do it, then anybody can do it. He's an ex-felon, ex-con, you know, he didn't accept the stories, he didn't make any excuses for himself. He went out, he worked hard, and he did it. So, guys, enjoy this interview. This was a heck of a lot of fun. There's a tremendous amount of wisdom that Nate gives here, a tremendous amount of mindset strategies. I mean, there's just this is just full of great stuff, right? Guys, thank you for listening. Really appreciate you, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the Elite Strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, and today I have a power hitter with us today. Uh, I have a gentleman by the name of Nate Barger. He's been investing in real estate for 16 years, and he's got a great story to share with us today. And he's got a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge he's going to share with us. So uh, be ready. Get ready for the ride because it's going to be a fun interview. He currently owns 1,500 doors. Um, he owns Hyatt Hotels. He owns Marriott Hotels. He owns Hilton Hotels. By the way, guys, I know nothing about the hotel business, so we're going to be digging in with Nate and trying to him educating us on that business and how it works and things like that. He currently is starting a podcast uh, by the name of Real Estate Millionaire Podcast. He has a ton of videos on YouTube. Just look him up, Nate Barger, where he's uh, educating and he owns Nassau Investments. Nate, welcome, brother. I appreciate you being here and um, I'm excited. Thank you, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Excited for all the information you're going to give us. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself because your resume is so big. That I, I, I just, I know I missed some stuff. So I know you own Nassau Investments. Tell us about that. Yeah, so me and my partner, Mike, uh, we own Nassau Investments. But uh, we started another group, the Hospitality Group. And Mike was vital. Um, Mike Ealy, and he's on social media too. He does a lot on social media. But 
and he has a podcast. I don't even know. I forget the name of it. But, you know, he was vital in me turning my life around. Um, you know, I wasn't always a real estate investor. I started off a life of crime at a young age, got sent to military school at 13, you know, came from a, a I would say an average alcoholic blue collar family, but I grew up in the ghetto. My parents were well, everybody tell us about else. That. Yeah, tell so, us about you know, that. Take us to the beginning. How did you, how did you tell us the journey? How does Nate get to be where Nate is owning hotels? Tell us at the beginning, take us from the beginning. So, you know, uh, you know, I got, you know, had a, I, I would say somewhat not really abusive father, but he did abuse us in the sense of, um, you know, like he, he hung me over the cliff by my ankles when I was four and he gave me, you know, messed me up, man. So, you know, when you get messed up at such a young age, you don't even know you're messed up. And so my dad was an alcoholic and um, he did his best. And my mom was from a big family. And, uh, you know, so she had her own set of problems because she didn't get any attention. She was a middle child of 11 children and they were just blue collar people. Um, and so we grew up in a neighborhood, probably like middle class. But what happened was, you know, white flight, you know, like all the white people left back in maybe when I was six, seven, eight years old. And my parents, we stayed in this neighborhood. And over the next six, seven years, this neighborhood would become, uh, you know, primarily probably 70, 80 percent African-American. Um, you know, the drugs, crack cocaine was coming in, you know, 89, 90. Um, I got sent to military school in 90. I think I was about 14 years old, 89, maybe. I got sent to military school. I was a, I, I'm not going to say I was a bad kid, but I was, um, you know, trying to find a way to make money at a young age. I was listening to rap music and I was kind of just misled down that. And so by the, by the time I was 22, I had been in and out of prison twice, uh, had four felonies and um, just couldn't get a job. So for the next six or seven years, I actually met a guy in prison who um, was, we were walking around a track and he said, man, my buddy got caught. And I said, man, you know, we all get caught, man. So, you know, that's why we're in here. And I said, well, what did he get caught with? He said, 13 tons of marijuana and hmm. grabbed him by his shoulder. I said, man, I need to meet these people. And lo and behold, man, I got out of prison before him, but he, he called my mom. My mom said, hey, some guy named Chris from Columbus, Ohio. It's like called Chris and it was on, man. You know, we went down to Austin, Texas. And uh, I think we had a we had a no, we went to Houston, Texas. We had a dry run in, went back down there and they, they fronted us like 96 pounds. And then, you know, got moved that stuff in about a day. And then they, they just start plugging me with about 300 pounds a week and bringing it up to Whoa. me to Cincinnati. Um, and so, you know, we did a nice couple year run, you know, the, the renew agents, which is regional narcotics units got onto us. So I shut down. I was, I was done. I was so paranoid cause I'd already went to prison. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I kind of, kind of took a break and, um, I started a roofing company was trying to find something legit to do in life, but I couldn't, I couldn't make any money. I didn't know how, because, um, I, you know, and when I say I couldn't make any money, Martin, I was probably making $2,000 a week. And, but at the time when I was a drug dealer, you know, you make it 30, 40, 50,000 a week, man, that ain't no money. So mm. I couldn't survive off $2,000 a week. My lifestyle was crazy. And so then I ended up hooking up with these guys out of Arizona. And then that, that weed was, man, it was really good weed. <laughs> and that's when I really started. And I, and I never smoked weed. I never did drugs, but I was a bad alcoholic. Um, and I had a nightclub and I did all that in my twenties, man. I had, um, you know, just what everybody thought would make them happy, a uh, stable of cars, plenty of women. I had a nightclub, uh, millions of dollars. Uh, cause when I was bringing that weed in from Arizona, 
man, that weed, I was getting, I think, first time I brought it back, I was getting them for $5.75 a pound. So I was always a numbers guy. And yep. then, um, I don't know if you know about weed, but you used it. They, yeah. What's the yellow, what's the two, the, the yellow and green Ziploc bags? They 12 grams mm-hmm. instead of 10. So you end up getting extra two grams when you're doing 300 pounds mm-hmm. and 600 grams extra. So, um, gotcha. Just, just a, a, a quick hack for you guys. No, I'm just kidding, man. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we start bringing uh, this weed in. I was making a lot of money, man. I was making like $240,000 every trip because I could sell the weed for so much money. It was really good wow. weed. And so, uh, we, you know, I could uh, a trip would take me about a week to facilitate. But I didn't do a trip every week. But so money came really easy for me uh, in my life. Um, but at the age of 29, I had all this. The feds were watching me. And I was lonely, you know, I actually was was lonely to a point where, man, I just I just cried out to God. I mean, you wake up and I don't know if you've been there before, but, you know, you think you got everything in your life. You've got got women, you got cars, you got nightclub, you got money, but you're lonely. That's not really what you want. You want a family. You want a woman that loves you for you. You know, you want uh, 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 you want to get like me. I wanted to get married. That's what I wanted. So, uh just couldn't find any woman that I really vibed with. And so I was throwing a party at my house, man. And I, and I, and I met this wonderful woman, man. It was uh, my wife now. And she helped me get sober. Cause I was, you know, drank real bad and had a bunch of DUIs. And, um, you know, she helped me get sober. I've been sober since 06 and, uh, we had a kid and got married in 07 and we've been rocking ever since, man. Um, 2010 market downturn. I started doing real estate in about, 2004. That's when I met my partner, okay. Mike Yilly. I met my partner, Mike Yilly in 2002, 2003, and he had actually just lost everything. So he was kind of going through a hard time. And, you know, I still had money, um, like drug money. Um, and so we start, he, he was showing me how to do properties and I was just really good at managing people. And I think my first year I did 10 properties and, you know, I bought and renovated them and did the BRRRR method, which I didn't even know sure. what that was back then. I was just doing it. And, you know, I mm-hmm. think I made about $350,000 my first year doing that because we were adding nice. values. We were vertically integrated because I had a construction company already, my roofing company. So really learn how to manage guys. And Mike did something that changed my life. Um, he gave me this book. It was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And now keep, it, keep in mind, up until this time, I didn't know nobody that went to college. You know, I grew up in a poor community. We had a 38% graduation rate at our, at our high school. So just, you know, uh, everybody just was drug dealers and at least the guys I were hanging out with. I'm sure there were people in our school that weren't, but the people that I was hanging out with, they were drug dealers and, um, you know, criminals and robbing people. And, you know, I mean, I remember we, uh, we went out and we found this guy that was selling guns and went and got some guns. And, uh, I was maybe about 16 and got some, you know, uh, <clears throat> this lady was drug addict to go buy the guns for us. Cause you, and they end up going back over and robbing this guy, man, stealing like uh, three, four hundred guns from him. And, you know, police came to the school and uh, I didn't even know they did it. You know, I didn't even know they did that. I just um, got implicated in it because they went back and looked at the records and grabbed her. And then she told me. And so um, so that was before I went to prison. But before I even got out of high school, uh, I caught my first felony. You know, it was in a dope house. They kicked the door because I was selling crack. You know, back then, man, I grew up on the streets, rushing cars, selling crack. And, um, you know, so, you know, when I met Mike, man, he was the first person I ever met that really had his life together. And so Mike gives me this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I didn't just 
listen, it was an audio book. I didn't just listen to it. I became that book. I became so proactive. Um, you know, I just changed my whole paradigm of thinking. And um, I always felt like I could do a lot because my parents weren't around a lot. Um, when I say they weren't around, they, they weren't around to give us like, don't do this, don't do that. So we became independent at a really young age and we had to be Come, uh, you know, creative and finding things, you know, from food to whatever it is, because, you know, our parents weren't there really to support us um, in a way that a, a parent should be. And so um, when I met Mike, man, that's that really changed my life. And I was grateful to him still to this day because of that. So my first year, man, I was buying and renovating them, brother, and renting them back out, pulling the cash back out. So I had about, yeah, 10 or 12 properties. And I, I, maybe four or $5,000 a month in mortgages, but I pulled all this cash out. Well, I didn't have them all rented. And so I took them to a property management company. Um, you know, a guy I knew named Chris and he owned Paramount, uh, uh, Paramount Property Management and they're no longer around, but uh, a guy named Chris out of Cincinnati. And so about a week later, I come to him. I said, hey, Chris, man, you got any of my units rented? No, it takes time, Nate. I said, well, man, I need my units back, man. And uh, so that weekend I put balloons in front of them and um, you know, I just I put the balloons and I remember I never forget I was in the hood, man. And I come over there and the guy's shooting the balloons out with a gun. And I'm like, man, oh, like, man. you know, that's the type of neighborhoods <laughs> I was buying in, though. Yeah. Um, and then we were over improving them just because we were vertically integrated. We had our own construction guys. We were putting tile and 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 like talking about it in, in like D areas. And yeah, um so yeah, man. So that first weekend I rented every uh, I rented it every unit I had out. I was like, man, this ain't hard. So then I said, I got to start my own property management company. I already had my own construction company. I had my own maintenance guys. I was doing the leasing. Uh, and I didn't care how hard I had to work. I mean, I was working probably 90 hour weeks, man. I didn't even care. My wife was there. She was supporting me. Some nights I wouldn't even come home, man. I had a, a place in Cincinnati and we lived north of Cincinnati about 40 minutes. And uh, I just wouldn't have time because I'm working till midnight. I'm waking up the next day at five and she totally supported me and understood so by 2010, I had 250 units, um, two industrial buildings. So in six years, you had 250 units, brother. From yeah, and I had to, wow, amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, 05 because I didn't buy my first unit until 05. I flipped a couple of properties in 04. Yeah, about five years. Well, probably yeah, about four years really, because uh, 2010. Then I had uh, two big industrial buildings, and I was bankrupt. So I was losing everything, oh. man. Yeah, I was losing everything because I had over leverage. So, so tell us about that. So tell us about that. How do you go from 05 to 10, 250 units, and then you buy a, an industrial uh, place and then you're bankrupt? Tell us how that, how that, what happened there? What happened in between there? So the, the, uh, my residential real estate did pretty good. Um, then I had some houses where people, you know, they lost their job, so they couldn't pay me. You go back in, they need four or $5,000 renovations. You're not really capitalized right. I mean, I had about a half a million cash. My industrial buildings, the mortgages on them alone were $20,000 a month. Uh, the tenants quit paying. You know, it was a single asset. It was a single uh, uh, tenant, and they weren't credit rated. Um, so I had to cover that mortgage. I'm burning through cash. And this was, 
just I want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding and the listeners are understanding. This was the reason for this was because of the 0809 correction, right? The the Great Recession of 0809. Absolutely. That's why they stopped paying. Okay, just wanted to make well, sure we got clarity on that. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. So what happened was they had people they had 30, 60, 90 day net accounts out. They were in manufacturing or uh, distribution. People didn't pay them. They couldn't pay me. I, there was nobody to go after. I mean, what was I going to do? I just had to try to work with the guys and. Um, you know, it's like someone didn't, it's like you're in the streets and, you know, someone doesn't pay. It ain't like you're in the streets. Someone don't pay the guy for the weed. And then you send somebody out to, you know, you can't do that. It's business. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so things just were happening, man. And uh, so I, I got the buildings back. Um, I put a bunch of capital in one of them. I released it. I, I didn't get any. The, the tenant defaulted, man, month one. Um, and then I had all these uh, um, I had all these single family homes, maybe. That were, they were expensive, you know, your four or $5,000 renovations. And then I was renovating them and there was nobody to lease them to because all the jobs, mm-hmm. there were so many jobs gone that people wanted apartments because they couldn't afford the water, the sewage, all the other stuff that came with the house. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was leasing them, but man, it just wasn't anybody good to lease them to. Um, so, man, I truly was losing everything, man. And uh, I remember there were times when I told my wife, like, man, you know, we got to put twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars a month in this business, and didn't know when the bleeding was going to stop because I was—I had never been through a real estate cycle before. And when I say real estate cycle, like whoop, 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 you don't understand. You just think things are going to go good, and um, you think things are going to continue to grow. And so I remember my wife, man, I was like, man, she couldn't—she wouldn't even ask me for money to get her nails done because she just knew I was—I was stressed. But I never gave up, man. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and the banks were coming. They were trying to take my properties, and um, man, I just—I I figured it out. I read, I researched online, and I was like, man, I could file a bankruptcy and stop it. So I went down there and filed a bankruptcy myself. Cost like three hundred—I think three hundred seven dollars—what I had to pay them the day before my properties start going to the sheriff auction. Boom! Stops the bankruptcy, right? Then you get another six to 12 months. So you get to push it down the road. And I wouldn't recommend you do this. I'm not saying it's legal. I'm just saying this is what I did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then it, it gave you another eight, nine, 10 months for they coming back at, after you, push you down the road a year, um, stopped it, did it again, right? Because you let the bankruptcy kind of just went by the wayside. I didn't have an attorney doing it. Mm-hmm. And so this bought me some time. And then I was able to start working things out with the banks. Well, I had a, one of my investors, man, who I called in and told him I was doing bankruptcy and he probably had 700,000 with me at the time, uh, private capital. And I said, look, man, you're protected. I showed him on paper. I was like, I got you. I'm not going to miss a payment. And so he came to me and he said, hey, Nate, what do you need? I said, man, what do you mean? What do I need, brother? And he doubled down. He said, man, I'll give you. He was like, how much money do you need? It's like, I, I, I know what you're going through, but you stand up. You could have wiped me out. You could have put me in a, I didn't even include him in my bankruptcy. So mm-hmm. I went, we went down there and met with the bankruptcy attorney when I finally retained one together because he knew the, the bankruptcy attorney and the bankruptcy attorney said, Hey, you can't be in here, man. You're one of his creditors. And I was like, nah, he ain't one of my, I was like, he's not one of my creditors. I'm not putting him in his bankruptcy. I was like, Hey man. Um, I, I was like, you know, we're going to take care of this. And Jim's not going to lose a single dollar and he's not going to get missed a single payment. So when Jim saw I did that, man, he ended up giving me a couple million dollars more. So even though I was in bankruptcy, I was able to go out here and start putting deals together and start growing. 
Wow. So I want, I want to say something here, brother. I want to say something here because if you don't mind, I, I always talk about integrity in, in, in business. And there is, you know, I, I always tell my students, listen, wealthy people, um, when you meet with an investor, uh, you, you're trying to raise capital, they'll ask you weird questions. Wealthy people ask you weird questions. And the reason they ask you different questions is because they're not really checking to see um, what you're going to, more so what you're going to do with their money, but they're checking to see who you are as a person, a human being. Absolutely. Who you are. Do you have integrity? And you proved right there with your actions, brother, with your actions, what you did there for your private money lender, what you did shows the level of integrity, the level, the level of, of, uh, I don't even know how to put this, the level, the type, the type of man you are and the character that you have. That is so important in business. There's a lot of guys that Absolutely. never came back from a lot of guys that didn't come back from away. You know that you and I both know yeah. that brother didn't. Come yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. A lot of people. Are. They still got jobs, yeah. man. They out working for yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. I just wanted to point that out to nah, you. Keep going. You were, you, you you're absolutely the, right. And and not just that, but guess what? I called the bankers up that I knew that gave me all this money. And the bankers said, uh, uh, one of the bankers told me, he said, Nate, he was like, it's okay, man. He was like, he was like, man, you're really good. But this, he was like, you are going to learn way more from this, the mistakes that you made than any felt, than any, than any successes you ever had. And uh, mm. he said, look, man, when you get your credit back together, call me, I'll loan you money again. You know? Wow. And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I thought I was done. You know, like uh, I even thought about going back and selling weed, but I knew I couldn't do that because um, I had a wife and, and I had a kid. And I was like, man, if I got to go scrub toilets at McDonald's, I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes to provide for my family, but nothing illegal because I was done with that life. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, man, Jim. So what I did was end up calling the banks and working out and buying almost all the property back for 25 to 50 cents on a dollar. Some of the properties mm. I even got for free and clear because I challenged the bank. I went and found a really good attorney. And uh, on one of the loans, he said, well, Nate, I'm going to tell you what. He said, for every $10,000 you give me, he said, we just want the bank. to." I, I told him, I said, I want to work things out with the bank. Well, the one bank wouldn't work nothing out with us. And he said, oh, I'm going to tell you what. For every 10 grand you give me, they're going to have to spend 100 grand. That's it. Mm. So you can't. And, and, and banks are rational, right? You want to work with them because, um, you know, banks are really your advocate, but some of them are just unreasonable. And that bank was mm -hmm. unreasonable. Well, after about two or three months of that, they called up and said, what do you want? He said, well, my client said he just wanted to work things out with you. So I ended up buying their judgment that they had against me back. Uh, it was it was it was a big judgment. It was over half a million. And I ended up giving them the properties back. And then they end up getting a lot of their money back, but not all of it. So I gave them twenty five thousand dollars for the judgment they had against me. I took that judgment which was in a, a, a like second position on a lot of properties or even uh, and took and foreclosed on, because what happened was I had properties that, that were, you know, the first position I could work out with, right. I could go and buy that mortgage note then, but then you still had all these junior liens and thirds. So they were in second position. I was able to take that and wipe out all them and get the properties nice. back. And then on some of the properties I had, I think, Three or four properties like I got back free and clear. They couldn't prove that they own the properties. Mm. So what happened wow. was Bank of America, Bank of America would, would, would send me a response saying that I didn't pay them. And then we'd say, uh, just using Bank of America as an example, 
And then uh, I never did alone with Bank of America. And then so we would challenge them and say, hey, never did alone with you. I don't know who you are. Prove that you uh, got assignment to the title. They couldn't prove it. They didn't have proper chain of title. So to be like me, just, you know, someone dies and I come up and say, hey, man, I know you owed uh, uh, the person who died some money for that car, but you owe me now. You're going to say, well, prove it. How, how do I know I owe you? They couldn't prove it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting uh, the lien released on those properties and owning them free and clear. Nice. Great. So never so give did... up, man. So never give up. That's the moral of the story. That's that is that is amazing. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, Nate. You said that you read the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and it changed your life. So you yep. went from from having this street, you know, because I grew up in the streets, too. I grew up in the hood in Washington Heights in New York City. And you, you grow up having this mindset of uh, this ghetto mindset, as we call it, this street hood mindset, to reading one book, which same similar story with me. I read one book, changed my life. Reading one book changed wait, wait, my life. Wait, wait, wait. What book was that? For me, was uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. Yeah, no, if you read that one. Yeah, no, I have it's a great book. Yeah, I went from, uh, when I read that book, I, I was I was selling insurance, and I went from making 48000 a year, and I made my first six figures after reading that book. Just literally That's becoming awesome. that book, like you said, that was my, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah. I was 24 years old. That was my goal of life, like to earn six figures, and I earned six figures at 24 after reading that book. And That's awesome, brother. That yeah, like, like you awesome. did. So uh, I want to get back to to you. You read that book, The Seven Hi- Habits of Highly Effective People Change Your Life. Tell me what happened in that book. What happened in your mindset? Because it's all in the mindset. What triggered in your mindset when you read that book that has ultimately lead you to where you are today? And then I want to unpack a little bit of how you went from there to your hotels and all, and, and where you are now. Well, um, it changed, I, you know, I had a ghetto mindset, man, like you talked about. So ghetto mindset being this is as far as my brain can think because I've never been challenged to think different. Right. And then mm-hmm. understanding that I'm in total control of everything uh, and that I'm not going to react to things that I can't control anymore. And that I'm going to be very proactive and focus on the things that I can control, um, even if those are small things and grow them into big things. Um, so that the stuff that I was going to be reactive about, I now can control, right? Mm-hmm. So in other words, like, you, and, and, and doc, uh, Stephen Covey used an example, like, you go down there and people complain about the weather all day. Oh, my God, the weather is terrible. But let's say that you want to start working on the weather, right? And you want to start working on global warming. And the reason the weather's bad is because of global warming. Well, it might take you years, but next thing you know, you have influence over the weather, Right. Because you're able to change climate control. So it's being proactive and focusing on the things that, that really matter and letting the rest of it go, which in business is good because you can get five or 10 years worth of work done in six months, man, or a year. If you're very mm-hmm. proactive, you got your checklist. Boom, 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 boom. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to build it. This is how we're going to scale. Um, but if you're not proactive, then you're wasting your time all day with silly arguments that don't even matter. It's like, Okay, why are we going to, okay, we're buying out, we got a piece of land down in Sarasota. It's about a half acre right now. Mm-hmm. $6.4 million, man. It's a lot of money for a piece of land. So yeah. uh, one, of the, one of the guys was saying, well, let's go in and negotiate. And this, I said, you know, why are we going to negotiate with the guy? He said, well, because we got to figure it out. I said, do we know if the deal works, right? Uh, well, we, I said, let's make sure the deal works before we go waste 10 time negotiating with the guy, right? Because the guy's a little hard to negotiate with. 
Um, he's from New Jersey, New Jersey people. And so, uh, you know how it just kind of, kind of, kind of brash. So it's taken one step at a time. What are the steps? What are the processes? Why are you wasting time doing things that may not even matter? So you train your brain to be like that. Now, the one bad thing that I did learn about that was it made it very hard for relationships with people because you almost don't allow yourself to have any emotion because it's like, there's no emotion because it's, it's being proactive. Right. And so uh, that's something that I had to kind of go back and, and relearn a little bit. Was, was I'll share you this know, with you, brother. That's something that I've something actually that I've um, recently really started to really have a deep understanding of, especially in our business. And I teach my students, and I've said in this podcast before, there's four things as investors we need to be focused on, four activities. Everything else you need to be questioning if you should be doing, and that's making offers, closing on deals, executing your business plan, and raising capital. Those are the four things for me as an investor I need to be doing all the, all the time. And when you find yourself, I find myself having the same same thing you just said is that oftentimes people want to pull me in, in different places or this or my car. And I'm like, I don't have time. If it's not one of those things, I'm like, on my busy time, on my, on my yep, core yep. day, I'm not doing that. I got to push focused, that off. And yeah, because yeah, I'm so focused on my goals. And yep. sometimes it comes off as a little bit brash or a little bit, but it's just... I honor and respect my goal, my vision, my time, what I'm supposed can, can, to be Can doing. I tell you something? Yes, can sir. I tell you yes, something sir. and tell your viewers something? Listen, man, two things, man, and I don't care. You heard my story. I ain't come from no rich family. Uh, went to prison. I got four felonies. So look, man, I hate when people say they can't do something, right? Mm-hmm. Say you're not willing to make the sacrifice, but don't That's tell me right. you can't do it, right? So That's your right. goal's all the way up here, right? Your goal is here. The problem is people say, well, you know, I kind of just want to decompress. I want to get on Facebook for two hours. You know, I want to go out and hang out Friday night. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then what happens? They say, well, I can't focus on my goal and do all this. So my goal is going to have to be lowered. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can live comfortable. Right. But what happens is that comfort never, man, you never, if you focus on your goal, then the level of comfort is crazy, man. I had one of my buddies on, I started mentoring, man, uh, uh, did a podcast with, you guys got to check it out, man. It ain't released yet, but his name was Jarius, man. He came back from New York in 2013. He was broke. He had 200. No, he had took his iPad and gave it to somebody for their vehicle rental for like a month. Right. That's how broke wow. he was. Uh, he had. Um, and then so I had this deal it was a 28 unit. Back then we were buying properties so cheap and I was going through bankruptcy at the time, but I was still making money. And I set it up with the attorneys. I was able to do stuff for my wife's name. She was able to pay me a small salary. So we were still able to grow. My wife wasn't bankrupt. I was bankrupt. Um, and so uh, with Jarius, man, he came back and we flipped the property. And I think it was a 28 unit. Man, I got it for 105 grand. Those were the days, brother. And um, sold it to a guy. 28 unit, 105 grand. Holy yeah. smokes. T- today, that building is probably worth 1.6 million. Um Oops. 1.4 to 1.6 million. So the guy sold it to, he came in and renovated it. But the, uh, uh, the, uh, my buddy, uh, Jarius, um, he, uh, made 12,000 off that deal. And I think me and Mike made 70, 80,000 off of it. Um, and so he, he started wholesaling from there by 2015. He called me, he said, Nate, will you mentor me? And keep in mind, I came out of bankruptcy in 2013. So he mm. came to me in August of 15. And I said, Hey, look, man, I'm going to Florida, bro. I, I'm retiring. Right. By the end of 15, I had created enough passive income. I had about 35000 a month in passive income. 
And I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I was so burnt out. I was doing hundreds of units a year, man. I had figured out how to get the financing done on them. I had put a team of people together to compensate me for my weaknesses, right? So mm-hmm. I just came out of bankruptcy, man. I couldn't get the financing done. Now, I did have a private investors that would give me capital. I was really good at managing. I can bring construction costs in at 30, 35 cents on a dollar. And that is, uh, man, and, and I just get units done so quick and bridge the gap between property managers. So you got you to gotta find what your strengths are. But one of the things that you were hitting on, and this is what I tell people, man, college, if you go to college right now, and I'm not telling you don't go to college, but I'm telling you, you're going to go to college and you're going to learn something that in four years may be totally irrelevant to the way how quick things are growing. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a case in point. When I was a kid, we needed to go do um, a report. We'd go get an encyclopedia or wasn't it? Yep. Uh, yeah, encyclopedia. We get an encyclopedia out. Man, the data in that encyclopedia was probably 20 years old, right? Or older. So you're, or older. So you're taking this mm-hmm. 20-year-old data and writing a report. A couple months ago, I was on the computer and I was looking for some data and it was three weeks old. And I said, man, that's too old. I need something. I said, whoa. <laughs> three, week, three weeks, that's how fast we're growing. So up until 1900, information doubled every 100 years. After World mm-hmm. War II, it started doubling every 25 years. In 2010, 2012, it started doubling every 12 months. IBM came out and they did this report. They said, in the near future, information is going to start doubling every 12 hours. So you're, wow. going to school, you're going to school for something uh, that may not even be there in four hours. I mean, in four years. So what you got to do is this right here. It's what I tell people, man. You want to become you, can wealthy? You stat, can you give me that stat one more time? Yeah, in, so in, in, in the 1900s, uh huh. Up until 1900, information doubled because remember, people had to write stuff down. Uh, you know, they had to write stuff down. Yep. Information doubled about every 100 years, right? Okay. By 1945, information started doubling every 25 years. By 19 or by 2010, 2012, it started doubling every 12 months. IBM released a, and it, we may already be there, IBM released a, uh, um, a report saying that in the near future, every 12 hours, our information is going to start doubling. And people say, wow. well, how could that be? Well, you got TikTok, you got Facebook, you got all these different platforms that are putting all this information on them now. And so, uh, you know, and, and then I was reading, talking to one of my buddies the other day. He said by 2050, information is going to start doubling every nanosecond, every second wow. information doubling. Uh, and he and, and it's a big, long story about how that's going to happen. But it's got a lot to do with the digital currency uh, and everything just being digital. And I haven't researched that to know if that's kind of true. But here's what you got to do to be successful. First, you have to come up with a goal. OK, once you come up with a goal, you have to go scrape the data. Right. Then you have to know how to process the data. You got to use a supercomputer to process the data. You know, your brain's a supercomputer, right? So you process this data with your brain, then you put in the action steps and you execute to get to the goal. That's it. And if you can do that, I don't care what kind of business you got. You figure out the data on where jobs are moving, where basic jobs are moving. That's where you want to buy around. That's where you want to hold on to real estate. So my buddy that came on a show the other day, the one I was telling you, I'll start mentoring him in 2015. November, he bought his first house. He did last January, this January, uh, uh, last month, he met with me, $3.6 million in rental properties. He owes $2 million on them. 
He's a real estate nice. millionaire. In five years, 15000 a month in passive income. He wow, bought in an area, me. he bought in an area that's growing so fast, 14.2% uh, uh, appreciation rate expected. Which, uh, you back? You there? Yeah, I'm good. We're good. Okay. So what that means is that he's making $1,400 every night he goes to sleep and wakes up every day. That's how you create wealth. Yeah, yeah. So, so and that, I want to that a little bit. Where did he buy? Where is he buying? He's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And yep. so, so what? What did the data show him? Employment where there's jobs, right? Employment and population. He, he, he didn't even look at that. He just went with his gut. He knew an area where the millennials were going. It had. It was. It was a, city, a part of Cincinnati that was like run down, but it had city views. So people start moving into this area. He bought his first one. It was a three bedroom. And I never forget. I went over there. He told me he was going to charge 800 for one bedroom. And at the time I was getting 600 for one bedrooms and he was doing it really nice. And I was like, man, I, I think that's a little optimistic, you know? And, um, he called me back. He said, I got to rent it, Nate. And I was like, for 800, he was like, yeah. And I was like, man, you are killing it. And, um, so it, it, he just, he bought all in that area because he believed in that area and he saw, what was happening in that area. And then he did all his renovations high end. So he, he said, Hey, Nate, I want to pull out seven, $800,000 in a property and I want to invest with you in a hotel. So I sent him over to one of my bankers. I said, I need to get this uh, uh, blanket loan done for Jarius. And uh, I probably won't let him invest all his money in a hotel. Cause it, I don't want all that. I'll probably give him a quarter million. And then, cause it, you know, it's too much, you know, it's too much for him. I don't, I don't want to yeah. do that. So tell me, so tell us, Nate, how does someone, get into the hotel business. So tell us, I don't know much about the hotel business. What is a hotel owner? What's the difference in owning regular real estates? Like I own a bunch of apartments, right? And, and I do some flips and some things. What's the difference in being a hotel owner, right? You own Marriott, you own a bunch of different things and in owning buildings, small residential, small apartment buildings or 50 unit apartment. What's the difference there? What is the life of a hotel owner look like? What, what is that like? Tell us about that. So, so uh, my partner, Mike Ealy, um, came back in 2015 and he said, hey, Nate, man, I want to go after this hotel deal. And I said, Mike, man, I don't know nothing about hotels. We crushing it in uh, uh, multifamily. And um, I mean, when I said crushing it, we were buying, you know, we bought 28% of all the apartments that traded in 2013 in Cincinnati. Wow. The same wow. year I was just... Look, the same year I was discharged from bankruptcy, okay? And when I say apartments, I mean, like, not four units. I mean, commercial. You know, five units and bigger above. Yeah. Five and bigger. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I said, man, I, and then so my partner, Mike, went out, and uh, I, he's the really the one who brought me in. He was like, Nate, I need you over here because I'm real aggressive, and I dream big. And if, if I say we're going to do something, Mike says, we're just going to do it. Like, how? I don't know. We're just going to figure it out, you know? And, and like right now, we're putting a fund together to raise $50 million to buy distressed hotels. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm figuring it out. You know, I at least started this journey in September. Uh, but so what happened was going back, Mike uh, um, ended up winning an RFP, with, which is a request for proposal to build on his two acres on university. It was a $75 million development. And I'm talking about you go from buying, you know, million, $2 million apartment complexes to doing a $75 million deal. That's a big so jump, he, brother. That's a big jump. So he brought in his buddy who had just built the Hampton in there. 
Uh, and then he he brought in his family. They got over a million square feet um, um, of real estate in Cincinnati. It's all office. They own a hotel. Uh, I think all theirs is pretty much office. And so he brought him in to strengthen because if he was going in, nobody was saying, you ain't getting no loan. Who are you? And so, uh, man, he won that RFP, man. He had $26 million from the city. Um, and I think they presented in 2015. They came out with a winner in 2016. The end of 2016, they went to go do final uh, renderings and get the brand, pick out what brand you're going to go with. Brand is like uh, Hilton, Marriott, or, or Hyatt, or IHG, which is uh, yeah. Holiday Inn. Um, and then they went to you know go put the financing in place. The financing had changed in those two years from where they would do 70% financing to 45% construction to perm. So the, 20, the $26 million that he had secured through the city wasn't enough money. So he called me up, man. He had about 300000 cash in his deal. And that was a lot of money for us back then, man. That was still a lot of money now, you know. It's still a lot of money right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, you could buy a McLaren with that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he was he was devastated. He was like, Nate, man, if I do this deal, I'm going to have to sell off shares. I'm going to end up with 7% ownership. And I was like, Mike, look, man, you can't do it. I was like, you got to walk away. I was like, you're doing it now because it's emotional and you feel like you failed. But by me going through that bankruptcy, I was like, man, trust me, man, you're going to learn so much. And so I asked Mike what inspired him to want to do hotels. And Mike's good friends with Jerome Bettis. And so he's down there at a uh, uh, football game in Atlanta with Jerome and this other guy that's a hotel guy, um, pretty big hotel guy. And he, he asked him, he said, hey, man, how, how's your hotel doing? And he said, uh, which one, Mike? I own 70 of them. He said, you know, the, the one you're staying at? He was like, yeah, I own that. He was like, you know, the W in Buckhead, I own that. You know, the W downtown, I own that. And so Mike just began to meet hotel guys. He said, Nate, every time I meet a hotel guy, they're always so happy. And they're talking about how they're flying around on their jets and they're just not doing anything. Every time I meet apartment guys, man, they're, you know, they're like, man, you know, I got this roof leaking. I got this basement flooded. I got this maintenance guy still in it. So it was a different mindset when you're when you're buying a, a, a hotel, let's say it's 50, let's say it's 50, 60,000, 50,000 square foot hotel. It's going to bring about four million dollars in revenue in a year. Right. You're buying a 50,000 square foot apartment complex. It's, you know, say 50,000 times 12. You're bringing in 600,000 a year. Right. So four million, 600,000. Now, four million dollar uh, hotel. I mean, four million dollar revenue hotel is in great shape because it got brand standard. So you can bring in a GM and give them 70 or $80,000 a year to manage it. When you're doing apartment complexes, man, you're trying to get people for thirty-five dollars to $48,000 to come in and manage. Then you got all these construction problems. Unless you're buying institutional quality, which are newer, then you're not going to make any returns. So it's just so much more work and it's so much harder to scale. If I can go buy, uh, you know, we go buy 100 hotels this year. That's that's uh, 1.2 to 1.5 billion dollars worth of assets. I couldn't in the next 20 years buy 1.5 billion dollars worth of um, apartments without killing myself, working myself to death. The hotels mm-hmm. are just easier to scale in, but you got it, it's the same thing. You're renting it out, right? You're paying people and you're taking a margin on it. It's the same, mm-hmm. same as apartments. It's just same nicer profit. assets. Same process. So how does how does how does uh, uh, someone that's listening, let's just say, and they're like, you know, they, 
they've always had that dream of owning a hotel, Nate. And they're like, wow, you know, the universe is speaking to me right now because Nate is, he's talking my language. But, you know, you know how you say you always figure it out. Successful people, we have that mindset. We just get resourceful and we figure it out. We just do. And when when things are getting tough, you keep saying it. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. The lessons you're going to take away from there are going to make you better in the next level. So if someone is listening to you right now and they're saying, wow, Nate, you're talking my language right now. I want to get started, but I don't know how to get started. Where do I start? How do I get involved? How do I get that education? What what would you say to that to that person listening right now, Nate? Now, are you saying getting started in, in hotels? In hotels. They want to invest in a hotel because that's been their dream. You know, what's funny. My wife, when we were kids, she used to tell she used to tell us when we were just 20 and our you know, 20 and, and teens. She used to tell me, I want us to own a bunch of hotels one day. That was like, that's her dream. I want us to own hotels one day. And that always seemed like so far away from me, right? So far away. Yep. Coming from the hood, yep. you know, they're so like so far away from me. Um, and I'll be, I'll be full integrity. You're one of the first few guys, one of the few guys I've met that actually own hotels. So if there's someone like that listening right now, how do you get started? How do you, how do you get into the game of getting involved in a hotel? My, mindset, mindset. So it's all mindset, right? But mindset. you Love talk you about, you talk about mindset. So when my mom gave me this picture, man, and let me see if I got it here. She sent me this picture over from when I was a little kid. And uh, man, this thing is crazy here. Um, I was five years old and I drew a picture and it was a picture. It said Nate's shoe repair. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I had a hotel next to it. I built a hotel. So even wow. at five years old, I was thinking about owning stuff, even though my family was poor because my mm-hmm. parents were absent enough. They, they were there enough. My mom was there enough to nurture us, but they weren't there enough to kill our dreams and say, well, you can't do that. You know, so I think parents kill a lot of their kids dreams. It's called projection. You project your insecurities on your kids. Yep. You say, oh, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Well, why can't I do that? Well, because uh, you're going to fail. OK, so what? That a failure is good as long as you don't give up. Right now, I ain't mm-hmm. saying you want to fail, but trust me. Becoming a millionaire, you have to fail. You cannot be. That's part of the process. You cannot become a millionaire without failing. So if you fail, then just know you're that much closer to becoming a millionaire. It's mindset. It's saying, OK, so I'll tell you back in 2009 when I knew I was probably losing everything. The reason I was losing everything because I had millions of dollars in equity, but I couldn't get any of it out from the banks. I called 125 banks in two days and got rejected by every one of them. The 126 bank I called said yes and gave me a loan. So you got to have that level of determination. You know, you almost got to be dysfunctional, man, because nobody in their right mind would do that. It's just like, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get it done. And it's like, well, you you just keep getting rejected. Man, I ain't worried about all that. I'm just going to keep calling. I'm going to keep calling. I'm going to keep calling. Somebody's going to say, yeah, I'm going to sell somebody. Every time I talk to somebody, I figure out a little bit more. I hear a little bit more. I I, I learn how they want to present it. And you just learn this stuff going along. So when you jump into multifamilies, that's a natural progression of about single families, about four families, about eight plexes, 20 plexes, 50 units, 100 units, 200 units, 500 units. That's a natural progression. The hotels are harder to get into because how do you get in? You don't, don't just wake up one day like, hey, I want to own a Marriott. Yeah. Marriott, mm-hmm. you could have the money and Marriott's going to say, hey, listen, man, 
uh, we don't want to give you a franchise agreement because you never owned one before. Uh, you never ran a hotel before. You're a multifamily guy. Um, and then the banks are going to say, hey, your balance sheet looks great. Uh, so it's a natural progression. Just what they told us. Your balance sheet looks good, but you guys never done hotels. Well, look at our management team. They got $1.8 billion. Yeah, but, you know, we really like to see some experience, right? So what did they just tell us? What did they just tell us, Martin? They just told us you need to, you need to, start, you need to start and build up to it. But what did I hear? But what, what did yeah. I hear? What did, my, what did my partner Mike say? Mike said, uh, We were going to okay. figure out a way. Yeah. So he That's said, He said, So they, they want somebody with experience. Who do we know with experience? Mm -hmm. Right? We're going to figure out a way. We, Who do we yeah, bring we flew, in? We, yeah, we flew down to Atlanta and got this doctor who's been doing hotels since 95 to come on Resource and sign for, the, sign for the debt. So we put the whole team together. We put together a group called the Hospitality Group. We took the two guys that manage the management company that have $1.8 billion worth of hotels, right? We put them on because first off, the reason we did, because they took care of us. We said, we're going to give y'all equity. And it was like, okay, okay, we got some money to put in. We're like, look, man, keep your money. And they're like, well, how are we going to have equity? It was like, man, we're going to give you some of the GP, right? So mm -hmm. we're going to give you part of the general partnership. You create what's called a GP and LP. So we gave yep. them part of the GP to come in, and then they put us in touch with this guy that came in on the GP with us. And now when we go in front of the board, they say, well, you know, these guys manage $1.8 billion worth of hotels. They have over 6,000 keys. This guy has over $200 million worth of hotels. And then, then, then we're on there. They're like, we don't know who them guys are, but whatever, right? And, and that's how you just I, get I, stuff done. I want to add something here because, I, you know uh, – I'm a big personal development guy and a mindset guy, right? And I'm always uh, talking about mindset, mindset. But what I'm hearing here is um, Tony Robbins says that your most important asset is not your resources, but your resourcefulness, your ability yep. to figure it out, your resourcefulness. Yep, yep, yep. And what I'm hearing here, and one common denominator that you find amongst very successful people is their ability for problems not to be a problem and to say, I'm going to figure it out. How do, what do I need to do? And my students, my students listening to me know that this is what I'm constantly preaching to them is, okay, so you have this challenge here. What, what's your solution? What, what is there for you to learn? How can you get better? What, what resources do you have available to get to the next level? Think, because if you ask, you shall receive, the great book says, right? If you yeah, see, yeah, yeah, you shall find. Yep. Hey, right? Martin, so one of, the, one of the things when I'm running my construction jobs, when I used to run my construction jobs and I'd come down there, And the guy says, hey, Nate, we can't put this wall up. I would say, uh, I would say, hey, man, uh, let me just tell y'all something, okay? I was like, they put a man on the moon. And he's like, huh? I was like, it was, it was a guy just like you. Had a brain, had two arms, two legs. Mm -hmm. They put a man on the moon, but you're going to tell me you can't put this wall up. And he said, well, uh, I said, well, tell me how we can put the wall up. Okay, well, right now you're developing these guys. Now they Redirect quit calling you. Their, their they, they, mm -hmm. they don't call me anymore and say, we can't do anything. They say, Nate, look, man, we're having some problems. We're having some challenges. And uh, here, here's the solutions that we came up with, right? Which one do you think, right? Or they'll mm. solve it on their own. So now you're developing these people because the developing is the mindset. What do you think happened when the first guys, when John F. Kennedy said, hey, we're going to put somebody on the moon. You think they said, there's no way. They said, what, what do you think happened when, when Elon Musk, I mean, these guys, they dream so big. And they said, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. 
All it takes is a group of people getting together and say, okay, we're going to do it, right? You're not going to fail unless you give up because you may fail along the way, but that doesn't determine your final outcome. What determines your final outcome is when you succeed, when you die, or when you totally give up. If you totally give up, Mm. then you fail. You only fail when you give up. If you keep going, you don't fail. So today, man, I own over $100 million worth of real estate. I was bankrupt seven and a half years ago, man. You know, I live in a multi-million dollar house, man. I got, uh, I don't even know, man, a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a couple Bentleys. Uh, uh, what else? Porsche, a Viper, you know, all kinds of cars. I pay cash for it. But I did that because I learned from my mistakes. And I said, you know what, man? I'm better because of that. And when I went to the bankrupts, uh, they got what's called the trustee. Guess what the trustee didn't take from me? He didn't take my knowledge, right? He mm-hmm. took everything else financially. But he did not, he did not take my he didn't take my mind, right? They let you have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. Once you learn how to do this stuff, guys, once you learn how to make money and step up to the commercial side, man, you pushing rents $100. You push rent $100. $100 for one unit. You just made $16,000, right? Yep. Because you can sell that cash flow up at a 6% capitalization rate. Mm-hmm. So yep. once you yep. learn how to do Brother, that, thank, changing out. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, so no, go, changing ahead, go, out, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Keep hey, going. Hey, changing, out. Out, changing out toilets, man. I made over a million dollars changing out toilets, man. I did a TikTok about it the other day. When you're changing out toilets, man, it's energy audits. It's, I'm saving $102 per toilet per year on, on buildings I got to pay water on. I'm going from a 3.5 gallon to a 1.6, which is 55% saving. I'm selling at $102.96 off. Divide that by a 0. .06, $1,700 what I got for that toilet. Come on, man. It's too easy mm-hmm. to make money in the commercial side. So mm-hmm. you just got to get out here. You got to own some assets. We're about to go through unprecedented inflation like we've never seen. And I'm going to tell you why. The government needs inflation right now. If the government can create 6% inflation a year for the next four years, they wipe out 22% of the federal deficit. So keep that in mind, mm-hmm. what their goal is. So, uh, I mean, guys, but you got to own property because we go through inflation. Properties are going to go up in value. Your money is going to become worthless. That's it, brother. That's that. You you gave us so much to unpack, man. I mean, you gave us so, so much to unpack, brother. I am so grateful to have you had come up here, come in here today and share with my audience, man. You gave us so much, so much, so much knowledge, so much wisdom you gave us more specifically about the mindset, Nate. Thank you so much. Mindset, mindset. Yeah. If if, if people, and by the way, guys, I just want to add, okay, guys, to the listeners, guys, here, Nate just said he owns $100 million worth of real estate, guys. Over, Many over of you $100 listen, million. Over $100 yeah. worth, of, worth in assets, guys. Hey, hey can, can I, Martin, a, can I tell you something? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, this year, we're going to buy $600 million worth of hotels. Awesome. And I wanna, we're going to talk about that off, off, off air a bit in a bit, you and I. Um, guys, this is a man, okay, that comes from an alcoholic family, from his own words. Okay, uh, ex-felon. Okay, guys. If and, and no disrespect to you, Nate, but I'm trying to I'm trying to inspire people here. If, uh, yeah, yeah. if someone that comes, there is no such thing as 
my history, my background. I can't because of this. There is no such things. All of that is a story in your head. Change your story. Change your narrative in your head of how you're talking to yourself. Nate, by his own words, said it. Two, two was in prison twice. Bankruptcy, right? And here he is. He owns Ferraris, Porsches, lives in a multi-million dollar, owns hotels, owns over a hundred million dollars worth of asset, guys. If he can do it, so can you. I just want to inspire you guys and let you know that if wherever you wherever you are in life, wherever your station is in life, there is no such things as failure. Nate said it at least five times here. He kept saying it. I'm going to get better. He keeps telling his, his people in his circle, the people he mentored, this experience is going to make you better. You're going to learn so much more from this. Nate, Absolutely. brother, Thank you so much. I really am so grateful for your time, your story coming out here and talking to us. Um, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Nate, people wanted to join your groups, people maybe want to invest with you in your group. Um, how do they go about that, brother? Talk to us. How do they reach you? Where can they find you? Where can they find your content? Talk to us. Give it all to us. Yeah, man. So, I, I man, I started a mission this year. Um, you know, I hang out with my kids and my daughter over there cooking, probably burning something. But I started a mission this year, man, where I started doing the social media stuff because I wanted to get back to people. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't even know how I figured this stuff out, man. Other than God, um, I really don't because it was so. And people say, did you ever feel like giving up? I say, man, several times a day, like you just, man, several times a day, I just felt like giving up because it was so hard, man. It was mm -hmm. I, I'm talking about physically. And then when my partner, Mike, came to me and he said, hey, Nate, uh, he said, we bought $100 million worth of real estate in 2019 with some other great partners of ours over at Venture. We JV bought a lot and uh, we bought our first hotel that year. And um, he said, we're going to buy $300 million worth of uh, uh, hotels this year. And that was in 2020. Now, we didn't reach that goal because of COVID, but. My mindset, I wanted to throw up physically. Do that, we're going to go bankrupt. And I just, I mean, so I had to dig deep. I had to dig deep. Like, man, my life is good. I'm comfortable. I don't have to work anymore if I don't want. But we're about to go down this path where I could potentially lose everything. So that was the part where I had to get over that. You know, I had to get over that and, and learn greatness and learn how to conquer man and uh look i'm gonna show you guys my cards man because uh look guys man i seven years ago i was bankrupt man look at this beautiful see this guy beautiful what is what is that is this look. caddy guys for the listeners he um he's showing me a visual right now uh that's a ferrari nice rari that the, the red one is oh. a ferrari there's one old of the grand top, national. Is, that, is that a mustang up top no 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 that's an old grand national Oh, oh, Grand National. Okay, nice, yeah, yeah. nice classic. Now this, is, yep. this, this here is a Viper. My partner Mike bought that for me. Nice, you know, nice. Blue and white Viper for those for those that yeah. can't see that were that are just listening. And the one the top is a white Caddy. No, no, no. That's an old '66 uh, Impala. You Impala. Know? Okay. It I got like look. A I got there. Look, I got a Porsche out in the snow. I got my Bentley in the snow. I think nice. the other the other Bentley. Look, I got this Lamborghini over here. Lambo, very yeah, nice. Yeah, so, but but so how do, guys, how do you pick? How do, how do you how do you pick? How do you know when to drive what car? 
Nate. Whatever, like whatever color shirt I got on, man. If I'm wearing a white shirt, I got to buy a white car. You know, I got to love match. it, man. So I love it. I love it, man. I love yeah. it. Listen, guys, I want to, I want to, I want to, I, I want to just share this real quick. I, I know we're kind of going a little long here, but I want to share something real quick. Um, recently, I put a post on on my Facebook, and um, and some guy it was about wealthy people, and some guy commented and said. Oh, wealthy people lie, lie, lie steal, uh, cheat, lie, lie and steal, or some, 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 something like that. And I said, you know, that's talking about pro- projection. That's what has been projected onto him, and he's trying to project. And I said, yeah, to yeah, him, yeah, do yeah. all have do all well are all wealthy people lie, cheat, and steal? Because I know a ton of good, kind, warm-hearted, um, loving, giving wealthy people. I know a ton of them. Actually, yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the, most of the wealthy people I know. And here's a prime example of that. Here is uh, Nate talking about how he started getting on social media uh, because he wants to give back. He just he, he figured it out. He just wants to start giving back to people and telling people, inspiring people. This is a man that comes from nothing, guys. I mean, Nate, you come from the hood, brother. We come from the same. We cut from the same cloth. We come from the same. Hey, place. hey, hey look, look, right? look at this, man. And, and look at this. Get, look at this. Look, know. Martin. Look. Mm-hmm. Look at this, man. I'm yep. back of my house. Beautiful. Look. If Beautiful. you if you can Beautiful, decide today, if you can decide today that you are going to be in charge of your future, that you are going to leave your kids, that you're going to leave a legacy, and every day you get up and you work towards those goals, man, you can do it. It'll just happen one day. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, but mm-hmm. look, man, it's hard being poor. It's hard being rich. Pick oh, your yeah, pick your pick your hard, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that 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 reframe. So brother, people want to get a hold of you. How do they reach you, my brother? Talk to me. Where can they find you? How so, can they invest I, with you if they want to put some capital with you? How how can they invest? How can they find you? So we got we got a uh Facebook group, man. Uh B R R R R invest. Um and on that we you know, we got about 43,000 people. And I'd love to have you on too as a guest brother. So, you know, yeah, sure. so I can hear your that. story. And yeah, so, absolutely. um, you know, you can, you can come on there. We have a lot of free advice on there. Um, as far as syndicating capital, we syndicate capital. Um, if anybody's interested in that, you can reach out to me on my Instagram, which is, uh, I think it's Nate Barger as well. Um, TikTok, Nate.Barger. And then you can also, um, just shoot me a messenger, Nate Barger on Facebook. And, um, you know, but I, I just got, man, a lot of this stuff I'm giving back for free. I don't charge. I get people every day ask me what I mentor. I really want to give it away to a lot of people. So I don't want to have like one or two people that I mentor. Um, so, but man, I'm just here for you guys, man. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you create massive wealth for your family. And the only thing I ask in return is that you give back to people. You give back. That's it. You see, people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that that right there is the secret. That's the law to pros- of prosperity. You get, you gotta get, you gotta, yeah, yeah. you gotta contribute to prosperity in in it of itself for you to be able to prosper. Yeah, you absolutely, brother. So brother, brother. Thank you so much, guys. We're gonna have all of the links to all of Nate's um, all of Nate's groups. You guys can go to his group, his IG, his TikTok, um, his FB. So if you guys want to reach out to him. Um, I'm sure that, you know, he's open to uh, talking to you or or chatting with you on any of those social platforms. Check out his stuff. He's got a great group. I am a member of your group, Nate, and definitely given a lot of great content and great, great information. That's actually how we connected. That's how that's how Nate and I connected because I'm a member of his group. 
And uh, guys, thank you for listening. Nate, brother, thank you for being here. Thank and you, brother. As the market, as the market corrects, um, because there will be a correction in the market. I don't believe that we can sustain at the rate that it's going. When the market does correct, um, I definitely would love to have you back on here. Having already gone through some painful experiences in the past, I want to have you back on here as that starts to progress and, and correct. So you can give us your perspective and your expertise from, from your vantage point at that point, brother. Nah, it sounds so, awesome, brother. Thank sounds you awesome. for being here and we'll see you soon. Thank you, brother. You guys have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.